0: This morning, I want to follow on from that, follow on from Pentecost. And we're going to turn to an Old Testament passage, and it's a wonderful passage. It's a passage in Ezekiel. Uh, We're going to start off in Ezekiel 40. We're not going to read it just yet. I'm going to give a little bit of background, and then we're going to move to Ezekiel 47. And we find a fascinating picture of the Holy Spirit. And his ministry work and his work in our lives. So a little bit of background, first of all, Ezekiel was a young Jewish priest. And he was taken captive by the Babylonians, carted away with thousands of others, to Babylon. There were lots and lots of Jewish men and women. In fact, they went in two, there were two Conquests, if you like, so this was the first conquest, and then later on, when the whole of Jerusalem was invaded and, and, and uh, the temple broken down, then lots more were taken. But uh, Ezekiel went in the first batch of uh, if you like Jewish slaves to taken to babylonian and, and during that time, Daniel was taken, and daniel 's three, three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they all went in that first group that were ca- taken. Away from Jerusalem to Babylon, Babylon's hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And in his, it's it reckoned that Ezekiel was in his about thirties when he began to get messages from God, and God began to give him visions, and he began to prophesy. And Ezekiel forty-seven or forty to forty-seven records one of those visions. And in the vision, he, he's, he's tra- although he's in Babylon, he's transported right the way back in his heart and mind to Jerusalem. And he's given this vision of a new temple. The old temple was totally destroyed at this time of this uh, vision. had been totally destroyed by the Babylonian army. This was a new temple he was given a vision of. And the vision goes back or starts back in Ezekiel 40. If you'd like to turn to that if you're following it in your Bibles. It's good to have a look at your Bibles if you've got them, either on the phone or in the, um, your own Bible that you've brought. Let's turn to Ezekiel 40 verse 1. I just want to read the first four verses. In the 25th, 25th year of our captivity... At the beginning of the year, on the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year after the city was captured, on the very same day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he took me there, took me to Jerusalem. So this is twenty-five years after Ezekiel had been carried into exile, by which time the whole of Israel had been basically conquered and Jerusalem had been demolished. And so the temple was in ruins and Ezekiel is now transported in his vision back to Jerusalem. Verse verse 2. In the visions of God, he took me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. On it, toward the south, was something like the structure of a city. He took me there and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of a bronze this was likely an angel an angel being he had a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand and he stood in the gateway and the man said to me son of man look with your eyes and hear with your ears and fix your mind on everything i show you for you were brought here so that i might show them to you declare to the house of israel everything You see. So the message was, look with your eyes, hear with your ears, fix your mind on everything I show you. You know, it's it's true, isn't it? We can look at things and not see them. And we can listen and not hear. So the angel's basically saying to Ezekiel, this is important. Listen. Listen carefully. See. See what I'm saying. Don't miss this. And uh, in the vision he's shown this amazing vision of the new temple, a fabulous new temple. And its details are there in chapters 40 through to 46, mostly, in those chapters. And then that brings us to chapter 47. So let's read this chapter, or part of it. Ezekiel 47, verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. Then when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand he measured 1000 cubits and he brought me through the waters the waters came up to my ankles again he measured 1000 and brought me through the waters the water came up to my knees again he measured 1000 and brought me through the water so brought me through the water came up to my waist Again he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. So he must have been in the water at that time. When I returned there, along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and the other. And then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches, that's the dead sea, when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to En Englame. There will be places, there will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for medicine. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we come to your word, we need your help. And Lord, as Ezekiel was given a vision of this temple and of this river, we pray that you would open our hearts to see the things that you would have us see. Lord, we are this side of the cross. We are this side of Pentecost. And so, Lord, would you show us the significance of this picture, this vision, to us today. Help us by your Spirit, we pray. Lead us and guide us, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in this vision, Ezekiel's taken around a building, and he's shown a river flowing from under the temple doors. And then he's led along that river by a man, which likely was an angel. And this uh, angel had in his hand basically a measuring tape. And he measured a thousand cubits. That's about a quarter of a mile. And after a quarter of a mile, Ezekiel went down into the water and the water came up to his ankles. And then he's measured, he measures another quarter of a mile And Ezekiel goes into the water again. This time it comes up to his knees. And then he goes along another quarter of a mile and he goes into the water and it comes up to his waist. And then there's another quarter of a mile and this time the water is too deep to swim in. can't stand in it. He's got to swim. So I just want to look at the river first. And then look at Ezekiel. So the river first. First of all, the river. The source and the course of the river. What's its source? Where did it come from? Verse 1 of chapter 47. And we're going to stay in verse chapter 47. Verse 1 tells us, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple. So the river came out of the temple which is the house of God. So it came out from the presence of God himself. This wasn't an ordinary river. We'll see this in a moment. In both the Old and New Testaments, of course, water is often portrayed as an emblem of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, He who believes in me out of his inmost being shall flow rivers of living water, but this spake he of the Spirit. And so I would suggest that this river is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit, of course, Jesus said, proceeds from the Father, from God's presence. And so this river symbolized the Spirit of God, the life of God flowing out from the presence of God. Now, first and foremost, I believe it it actually was a a foretelling of what was going to happen to Israel. This, This was spoken to Israel. And one day, there will be an outpouring of the Spirit upon Israel, upon the nation of Israel. That's what I believe the Scriptures teach. One day, that literally will be fulfilled in the nation of Israel. There will be this great, amazing move of the Holy Spirit. But at another level, this, this, this river is a beautiful picture of the possibilities of spiritual revival at a personal level, to you and to me. Which we'll we'll come to in a moment. The, the, The river not only came from the temple, it came from the door of the temple. And who is the door into God's presence? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the door. And ever since Christ died on that cross, there has been a river of God's blessing flowing through to you and to me, right down through the ages. The blessings of salvation. And it's an amazing river of God's love and God's mercy and God's grace flowing from the cross, brought by the Spirit into every believer's life. A father and his young son were uh, standing by the side of the, Ni- the great Niagara Falls and they were just lost in wonder, transfixed by just the magnitude, the grandeur, the power of the Niagara Falls. And after a little while of total silence between them, the little boy with eyes wide open said to his father, Daddy, does it flow at night as well? And the mighty river of God's power and grace and love flows during the day and during the times of night that we go through too. That, that is an amazing resource that is available to all of us. That's the source of the river. What about the course of the river? Verse 8. You notice in verse 8 where it flows. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. The Dead Sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And then it goes on to explain or uh, uh, describe the transformation of that area by this river. The Jew, looking east, saw desert, barrenness, dryness, arid land. And that's where this river went. And wherever it went, it produced vegetation and crops and life and trees and greenery. It even brought healing to the Dead Sea, which is dead, totally dead. And if the water is a symbol of the Spirit of God, what an amazing picture, powerful picture of the transformation that the Holy Spirit brings into every life. This, this river made all the difference between barrenness and life, didn't it? It made, it made all the difference between a desert and a garden. Between a wilderness and what is attractive. So what a wonderful picture of salvation. But not only of salvation, but of the revived Christian life. You know, whenever I read this passage, I, I'm excited by it. One of the, my favourite passages, I think, in the Old Testament. It always speaks to me of the deepening, the possibilities of deepening our walk with God. And of the richness, deepening of the riches that there are in Christ. I think it's a parable of the blessings that are available in Jesus. Because what a, what Jesus has done on that cross, he's the door, he's made it possible. And since that cross, out of the cross flows All the blessings of God for you and for me. So that's the river. Now let's turn to Ezekiel. ezekiels he's led along this river by the angel. As he goes along, it gets deeper and deeper. And uh, just like that heavenly messenger, God wants us to go deeper in our Christian lives. He wants to go deeper and further. In our relationship with him. And with his spirit. And he wants us all to go deeper from an ankle experience. An ankle depth to a knee depth. To a waist depth to waters to swim in. Let's just think about the ankle deep experience of the spirit of God. So I'd like to suggest that this is a picture Of someone who has put their trust in Christ. They're in the water. They've stepped in. They've experienced the life of God. You know, they've become a Christian. They've got a testimony. And they've received the Holy Spirit into their lives. But sadly, theirs is a shallow experience of God. And of the Spirit of God. They know, something of this, they know something of his work, of the Spirit's work, because they're Christians. But they don't know much of the power of the Spirit in their lives. Whatever reason, may have been unwilling to go deeper with God. Might have been certain areas in their lives that they've, they've held back and they've not been willing to let go. Maybe things, you know, the, 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 the sower of the seed, it was sowed on hard ground, wasn't it? Some sowed on soft ground, but with thorns in. And, and it can be that there are thorns in our lives. We, we, things of the world, Jesus said. Things that we've, we'd rather like, la- we like more, and we don't want to give up on. And so that can keep us down at an ankle length experience. It might be fears of what people might say and so we don't fully commit ourselves to Christ. There's all sorts of reasons that, that we might not enter into the full experience that God has for us. You know, there's one thing about paddling. When you're paddling, there's a lot of you showing, isn't there? Right? A lot of you seeing, being seen. I think there's a picture of a lot of self. You know, a lot of me... And we've all got battles with self, but none of us get beyond the battle with self. Self is there, it's our, part of our old nature. But I think this is a picture of someone where there's a lot of self showing. A real lot of self, you know, above the water. A lot that's not been dealt with or given over to God. I think, I suppose, really, I mean, I've been here and I'm here at times and I'm going to say this. I remember Jez speaking, I think it was the last time he spoke, on a Sunday morning, talking about the journey that we're all on. And I'm going to say, sometimes we might be at this end of the journey, sometimes we might feel we're moving on, and then we seem to move back, and we, we can be all along that spectrum of this journey that I'm describing. But this person... Or this experience of a shallow experience is where there's a lot of self, self self-centeredness and me, me, me and what I want and and, and we, we like that, we battle with that all the time. Jesse Penn Lewis wrote this, he says, we have become used to renouncing our sins but keeping ourselves I think that's quite deep, actually. We've, been, we've become used to renouncing our sins... And, ...and sort of dealing with those things... ...sort of superficial things, if you like... ...but still serious... ...but holding on to self. That's the root. An uncrucified self will always ruin my walk with Jesus. And that, if, if I sin... If I, ...if I allow things into my life... and ...whether it's unforgiveness... ...whether it's not allowing God to take hold of me... ...so I'm not trusting him... Basically that self, I really am not allowing Christ to have full sway. Jesus said, didn't he, well, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So self has got to go on that cross. But that, that, that's the only way I can go deeper in my Christian life. And so, how do we go? From an ankle-deep experience, deeper in the water of the Spirit. Well, Jesus said, if any man comes after me, let him deny himself. You know, we, we, you can't get around that. I cannot get around that side. I've got to crucify self. I've got to put self. Self has got to be on the cross. Me, my wants, my will, first. And my prayer needs to be, oh God, help me to please you more than anything. Because if I'm pleasing Jesus, then self will always come second or last. And as we do that, we'll go deeper into the river of God's grace and power. And we'll move from an ankle-deep experience onto the next, which is a knee-deep experience. Where are you? Where am I in this? Verse 4. Again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my knees. What does the knee-deep experience speak of? Knees come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, don't they? Hands up if you've got wonky knees. <laughs> you don't want to say this do you? I know what it is to have wonky <laughs> knees. Knees that are... Difficult, and uh, if I do any running, I'll, I suffer from that, but knees are important. picture of a, a man on his knees is a man in prayer isn 't it It said of james did 't it the, uh, uh, the well the half brother of Jesus, if you like that it, tradition says that his knees were camel shaped because of he, he knelt so much on his knees on a hard floor it 's Formed a strong, a, a, a big, sort of hard skin over. That's, that's what tradition says. But it's on our knees that we seek God in prayer. Whether you pray on your knees or not, it's a picture of prayer. I'd suggest here, it's a picture of, here's a Christian who's learning the, what it, the blessings of prayer. And of, of praying, and really praying, not just for their needs, but for other people's needs as well. Someone who's growing in their prayer life. Growing in faith. Here's someone who's, who's beginning, beginning to experience the intimacy of God. The beauty of a walk with God. The joy of, being involved, of God being involved with their life day by day, moment by moment. Here's somebody who's gro- growing in that. They're learning what it means to pray, especially for others. You see, when the Spirit moves in our lives, there will be prayer. Prayer. Because the Spirit is the Spirit of prayer. Romans chapter eight, verse twenty six and twenty seven. Romans eight twenty-six twenty seven says this. Likewise. Likewise the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the the Holy Spirit is the spirit of prayer and of intercession. And whenever he's at work in our lives, there will always be a growing desire to pray. To really intercede. There will always be that desire to have deeper fellowship with God. Become more God conscious. So if you've had an ankle length deep, deep experience, that's not enough. We need to go deeper and we need to go further in our Christian life. We need to seek God's power. We need to seek God's help and strength in our lives in a new way. another touch of God. But of course, if you've experienced that, you don't want to stop there. You'll want to go further. And so verse 4 goes on to say, Ezekiel 47. Again he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. So this is waist deep water. Literally, loins deep. What do the lines speak of in scripture? Just turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 17. Proverbs 31 and verse 17. It says, she girds herself with strength, and strengthens her arms. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. This has nothing to do with women weightlifters in the Olympics or anything like that. This is actually speaking of the virtuous woman. The the woman of noble character. And it's describing the sort of person she is. She is someone who girds herself with strength. Literally, she girds her loins with strength. In other words, she's not afraid of hard work. That's what it's saying. She's not afraid of getting her hand, rolling up sleeves and doing, doing, getting down to the work. But the loins in Scripture speak of strength. The, the Scriptures see the loins as, as the seat of, of, of emotional strength and physical strength. So here, the, the water, the, the waist-deep water, if you like, the loins-deep water, I I would suggest you have someone who is learning that the strength, the secret of their true strength comes only from God. They're learning that their real strength comes from God and God alone. You see, the the deeper you go into the water, the more the water takes your weight. So if you're in a waist-deep water, it's actually lifting you. And it's God's strength, isn't it, that carries us and lifts us. And affects every area of our life. You know, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I like, if you turn that around, it sort of puts the emphasis on Christ. Through Christ who strengthens me, I can do all things. That's good, isn't it? Through Christ who strengthens me, I can do all things. So here's a person who's learning the secret. Of abiding in Christ, who's growing in their deve- deepening dependence on God in every part of their lives. For whatever they're doing, it's looking after the kids, whether it's, whether it's re- re- doing your work, studying hard and your, for exams or whatever it is. Whatever you're doing, it's, it's learning that actually your strength to please God really does come from God and God alone. It's not saying that this person never, never fails. It doesn't, it's not saying that they're, never, they're, they're perfect. because There's always room. There, where, where we will always fail at times. But this person is ready to get back up and, and, and put their trust back into God's power and God's strength. And those who've experienced that will want to go further and deeper as Ezekiel did. Look at verse 5. And again he measured 1,000. And it was a river that I could not cross. For the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. So the river was deep enough to swim in. So here's someone whose ankles are covered, whose knees are covered, whose waist is covered, whose everything is covered except the head. They're out of their depth. I think one, one of the things, I don't know this is stretching it too far, but uh, of course when you're, in, when you're immersing water, the water cleans you. And the more you're in that water, the more clean you are, the cleaner you are. So I was thinking, well, I suppose this could be, you know, whole, speak of real holiness of heart and real godliness. A character that's like Christ, where you're growing in that Christ-likeness, letting him rule and reign. Someone who is in there up to their neck in water who is swimming, well, you only see the head. If you take the analogy of Christ being the head, I suppose you could say, well, actually, this is somebody in whom Christ is prominent, somebody whose life Christ is preeminent, if you like. So it's Christ who's the focus, not me. It's not self on show, but Christ. Sidlo Baxter, some of you will remember Sidlo Baxter, he was the minister in the 1930s and 40s of um, Charlotte Chapel, Edinburgh, uh, preached here a number of occasions. This is what he said of this. All of us who love the Saviour want to live that kind of a life, the Christ-like, if you like, Christ-life. We long to experience the deeper depths of the Holy Spirit's infilling. We cannot be satisfied with the waters merely to the ankles or even to the waist. It is those waters too deep to swim in, which we would know. Yet somehow many of us seem to miss all but the meagre shallows. And that's where the Holy Spirit is seeking to bring you and me in our Christian lives. That's God's goal for your life. To take you deeper, to take you on, to, to help me to become more like Christ. But to do that, it's a journey. We're all on that journey. We mustn't ever forget God's purpose in calling us. A little girl was watching her mum prepare the meal and she watched as she, as she cut off both ends of the meat and put it into the pan. And she said, mummy, says why? Why do you do that? Why do you always cut off both ends of the meat? And, and the mum said, well, dear, because I think it helps the meat to absorb the full flavor of the spices. But you better ask your grandma, because I learnt it from her. So the little girl went to her grandma and said, Grandma, when you're cooking, why do you and mummy cut off the ends of the meat? And the grandma said, well, I think it's because it helps the meat stay tender when it's cooking. But why not go and ask your great-grandma, because I learnt it from her. So she went to her great-grandma and said, great Gran, why do you and grandma and mummy cut off both ends of the meat when you cook it? And her great-grandma said, well, I don't know why your mummy and grandma do it, but I did it because it would never fit in the pot. <laughs> how, how many times do we miss God's purpose? You know, we've, we've, we somehow lose our direction. What's the, what's the real purpose? In God's saving you, it's so you can become more Christ like, so you can become more effective for God, so you can be more fruitful for Jesus. So that you're not showing, but Christ is showing the head. And so here's this picture of a river, or the river, a the picture of the Christian life, and the possibilities of spiritual revival, and what God wants to do. In our lives, and I do believe God is a God of revival. He longs to renew. He longs to restore. He longs to restore that faith that is waning and wilting. He longs to renew your strength. He longs to rekindle that love that's lost its intensity. Maybe some things just robbed that love for Jesus. He longs to reinforce that habit. Reinforce rather that determination to overcome that habit of sin. You know, that thing that's robbing you of your victory. He wants to reinforce your strength and determination. He wants to rekindle that hope that so easily dies of ever being changed, of seeing things happen in God's power. He's got wonderful patience. And he's got all the ability and skill that's needed to do whatever is needed. To heal broken relationships. To revitalise that prayer life. To renew that desire to witness. So how much of the river are you experiencing? Am I experiencing? Is yours an ankle deep experience? Or a knee deep or a waist deep, or a full deep experience. As I said, we are on a journey. Sometimes we feel that we're there with the ankle deep, and then we might feel that we're moving on a bit, and we get waist deep or knee deep and waist deep. But then something happens, and we can always go back. You know, and it, and it can be a bit like that in, in, in the Christian life. It's a lot like that, actually. And if you ever think you've arrived, well, you'll suddenly slip back. If you feel that you're not getting anywhere, don't get disheartened. We're a work in progress. You are and I am. God has got amazing patience and you're a work in progress. God is moving you gently, moving you, moving me to go deeper. Not to be satisfied. I love what uh, John Stott says in his book on baptism and fullness. He says, all Christians can expect fresh experiences of God. God is no lover of staleness and stagnation. He promises that his mercies will be new every morning. And puts in our heart and in our mouths a new song. Because he means our knowledge of him to be new. Are you knowing? Are you experiencing the newness Every day, God's always seeking to take us deeper. So, do you want to go deeper this morning? Well, all I would say is, come to God with that need, come to God with that desire. Trust in God. The more of you and I that He takes, that we give, the more He can take, and the more He'll able to able to fill with His lovely presence. We can't change the past. Can't even change yesterday. But we can start afresh with God today. Just a final thought. Water always flows best where there's no hindrance. We're thinking of a water theme. Water always looks for unblocked channels. We were out at, um, up at the cow and calf yesterday. With our grandchildren and... Uh, as granddads do, I was building dams in a stream. I was trying to dam this and, and, and put bricks and stones, sorry stones, in the, in the water. And, uh, and Annie was doing it with me. And, uh, and, and I don't think she got the concept that if you blocked water one way, it would always find another way to go. So she was blocking this mother, and then she was blocking this and blocking that and blocking that and so. But water will always flow wherever there's least resistance. Is there anything in your heart and your mind, your, your life that needs to be unlocked? Is there anything that needs taking away, taking out, removing? I think the, uh, the only way for us to ask God or to, to, to experience the deepening is to say, Lord, as far as I know, as far as I know, there is nothing. Please, please help me to give you what needs to be given. Let's pray. Let's just bow our heads in front. And, uh, let's just take a few minutes. Let the Holy Spirit just press home to your heart what, uh, whatever God's been speaking to or what he wants you to take away from this morning. If you sense a, a need of a fresh touch from the Spirit of God this morning, fresh infilling, you, you reach out in faith, in your heart and mind, to God. Just say, Spirit of God, I need you. I need your power. I need you to help me to become the person that you want me to be. Come and fill me, that I might live for you. Let me move deeper into your power, into your experience, into the experience of you filling my life. Help me, just uh, let that be your cry. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have made this possible through your death and your resurrection. We thank you, Lord, that that amazing sacrifice opened the floodgates of the river of God's mercy, and the floodgates of the river of God's grace and forgiveness and love. But Lord, we we can all go deeper into that river. We can all move further on. Thank you that it was you, it was God who led Ezekiel through his messenger. And it's as though you, you're saying, Lord God, here am I, I'm, I'm going, I'm moving on. Will you come with me deeper and deeper? And so, Lord, we want to walk with you and we want to go with you. Help us, Lord, if there's things in our lives that we are really struggling with, really fighting then, Lord, I pray, give us surrender, the gift of surrender to you. Help us, Lord, really to, at the deepest level of our heart to say, here I am, wholly available. Lord, would you take us and lead us, we pray. Pray that this morning, Lord, would be a time when all of us would say that we want to go further on with you. So, Lord, just minister your grace right now by your Spirit.